And this is Brandon, a.k.a. Big Daddy. Nobody calls you that. Right. Yeah, and we're here with Green Leather Sofa Podcast. Season 2. Let's get into this episode. Hey, what's going on, guys? What? What's going on? Just saw something very traumatizing. It was just a little bit, right? <laughs> at the end, at the end, it was traumatizing. <laughs> oh man! And the end, uh, the end of this movie, as if we're not like five seconds in, the end of this movie, um, yeah, we had to jump right on the mics. <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen this movie quite a few times. It's another movie like that, just like with uh, brothers, right? Yeah. The brothers? Yeah. I've seen this movie many times. Uh, Brandon has seen The Brothers a few times, but this movie, this was his first time. Very first time. I And, like, even by the the, um, the movie cover, I really could have sworn that halfway through I'd be like, oh, I remember seeing this, but I never saw this movie. And I'm kind of mad I didn't see this movie because this has so much of that 90s flavor that I love. Right. That's probably high up on my list of mm-hmm. reasons why I like this one. Yeah. Um, also, because I'm from New York, and if I had to say, this is like one of the coolest times oh, yeah. in my childhood, like <clears throat> this era, the clothes, the music, all of it. It's when all the hood rats went inside from Crooklyn, this movie came about. Like, this, the era of this time was just beautiful. I, I loved it. I loved it. I loved, I love, there's something about, there's something about 80s, 90s New York that will always stay, stand out to me, even though I've never experienced it in person, but just based on TV, just based on music, just based on like how many New York influences I grew up with. Um, and I feel the same way about, you know, late 80s, early 90s Miami. Let me tell you, I was there, uh, 90s New York. Mm-hmm. And it was just as cool as it looks on TV. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. That was loud. <laughs> I can fully imagine. Yeah, so I wanted Brandon to see this movie because there are so many things that we can unpack here. And another uh, another thing is that when I was taking my... It was a sociology class. I don't remember exactly what it was called. Yeah. But uh, me and my best friend from college, we were in class together. And I remember our professor, Dr. Uh, Charlotte McKenzie Bishop, she showed this movie to us in her class. And that was my very first time seeing it. And what's interesting is that exactly what we do on this podcast, identifying some uh social reasons why you know people make the decisions that they make in these movies yep uh we had to do that for an assignment on this particular movie so had it not been for this movie that assignment for that class Mm -hmm. i don't know that the idea for green leather sofa would have came about the way that it did Mm. wow that's that's profound and I feel like we had to do this movie. It, it's like coming full circle. Well, you know what? Looking looking back, I mean, you've been talking about this film since season one. I have. And I kind of 
gated it like i kind of like scooted it under the bed i'm like all right we'll get to it like if we got like if we can't think of a good movie to watch or something like that maybe we'll slide that one in you should have told me it, it was like this but i did you told me like other stuff. You told me it was like revolutionary for the feminist movement or something. I don't I, know. I didn't say all that. <laughs> I was just saying it's one of those coming of age black movies mm. that some people have seen it, and those who have, it's mm, those who have seen the movie, um, they have fond memories of it. Mm-hmm. Or you know, some of them might be traumatized because I feel like for some black girls, yeah, their mom sat them down to watch this movie. Mm. Um. But if you've seen it, it's a favorite. If you haven't seen it, you're probably going to have the same reaction that Brandon had. Now, before we even announce the film, (laughs) (laughs) I have a question about movies and even about like permissions to watch things like we kind of want to cover kids ears and cover their eyes when sex scenes are on the screen and stuff like that. But then again, we want them to learn as early as possible that certain things like should be avoided. So what's what is the difference between showing this movie uh, to uh, an impressionable age young lady and her watching like a quote unquote rated R or dirty film when she's young? Hmm. As far as watching the actual sex scene, I think that it's the same. Mm-hmm. Like seeing sex on TV or whatever. Yeah. However, I think what really makes a difference is how you approach the scene when you're watching it. Like if you're a parent who lets your child just watch like a rated R movie that has sex scenes and stuff and mm-hmm. there's no real discussion about the sex scene. Okay. Um, I think that's different than using the sex scene as a teachable moment. Mm. Um. Like, in this movie, they do a really good job of making sex look fun. Yeah. She really made it look fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she made it She made it look exhilarating. She made it look real fun. Um, <laughs> exhilarating and not painful and not... You know, it was, it was... It looked satisfying. Like, how many young girls have their first couple of experiences be something that's, like, to brag about? Right. Other than that, because usually when we brag about having sex around that age, we just brag about doing it. Your friends don't even ask you if you were pleased or if you got satisfied. I've been in plenty of those conversations uh, when I was in high school and stuff and just listening. And you're right. Like nobody, nobody says any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, They're just talking about, yeah, I did blah, 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 blah. Right. Whatever the act was. Right. Like, I, even growing up, all the years, even in the 20s, if in the off chance we talk about having sex with a girl that, you know, doesn't really mean that much to us, or at least at that point, where it's just the act of getting the draws, so to speak, right? Never once, never ever once was I asked, oh, so did you, did you satisfy her? It's not something we talk like men. We like it'll never. It's, it'll be a given that we are gonna get ours. Yeah. But it's never like so. Did she get hers? Like that's it, and it's because it's. And they don't measure. They don't measure how good they are in these discussions. Like in high school, they don't measure how good they're supposedly are. Um, 
Oh, they talk about like the fact that they got it, like you said, but they don't ever say, "Yeah, I lasted for this." Okay, yeah, yeah. right. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Essentially, none of that. It's it's just the act of or who who they got. Right. Who who let me do this? That's the biggest thing. At that time, it's just who it is. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you remember that chick that none of y'all could talk to? Yeah, I got her drawers dog. Yep. You know, and it's 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 never about. Did she feel good? Did she feel safe? Did she feel comfortable afterwards? Will she call you again? Like it's none of that. It's just oh you you hit it, you're that man forever now. Mm-hmm. You're him. And uh, but no, um, this movie. Um, how, how far are we in? <laughs> We're about eight minutes in. This movie is just another girl from the IRT. And or on the IRT rather, and um, yeah, she. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> you have to keep reminding yourself of her age. Yes. She was 17 in this movie. She was grown. In her junior year of high school. And yes, I, I think she was grown. Grown. Like, <laughs> the she was like a mod listening to all the adults' conversations. And by the time she was a teenager, yeah. she thought she was an adult. That type of thing. Yeah. She was ready to be on to the next thing. And yeah. I mean, as much as I think that in her head, she thought she was grown. Mm. When I watch this movie, I just see a baby. <laughs> but here's my thing. Because her portrayal throughout the whole film was very believable. It was good. I, I loved it. Yeah. Where do you think she got her influence from? Because she she would have to piggyback off of someone to be that street smart, that wily, that confident to be around by herself at all times of the day and all times of the night. Those kids had to be tough. It but it goes beyond that because her friends are not like her. What is her influence? Like her parents, they don't even communicate with each other. And when they do, they're just constantly fighting. Who was her big sister or who was her like someone had to like. It's the culture. Mm. I think it's the culture. Mm-hmm. Because you think about the, the music of that time. Mm. Right. This is and, 1993, by the way. And we've had this or not. We had. This would be present day in this film. Yeah. Where you have all of these strong female voices on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. And at the parties. Because we know, like, they were performing and stuff. And this is 90s New York. That's all around. Do you think... Do you think as smart as we are, we're actually dumb? Because when I was 17 years old... I couldn't walk around like she does. I couldn't <clears throat> think my way out of things. I couldn't be as intelligent as she was. Yeah. And you talk about young girls like her, young dudes like Tupac, young dudes like that put these types of words together and these types of images in our head at, at such a young age. Yeah, talk about a 21 year old now. And it's like, ew, get that shit the fuck away from me. What is that thing? Tupac made some of his best music between 21 and 24 years old. And these 21 and 24 years old, to us, at least what we, you know, what I hear people in my age range say, they can't even have a conversation. No. And you got, you got kids in the early 90s, which is what this movie is about, essentially. Kids in the early 90s, they looked older. They sometimes acted older. And they thought more maturely. Yes. Because when I think back to... Well, you know what? Let me let me start here. Hmm. 
I would say that the type of adolescence that we saw in this movie, I think that our generation is probably the last to experience it and yeah. anything that looks like that. I think um, so. <clears throat> and a big part of what was going on in the movie, I think that made it different than teenagers of today. And listen, I'm not just that old person saying this. Most of you guys who've been listening, you know that I've been, I was in the school for three years mm -hmm. working with teenagers. So I'm not just saying this based off of me being old, but I do think that there's something to having an adolescence where you're not glued to a phone. You're actually going out. Yeah. You have to be a problem solver because you're outside and things can happen and you don't have a computer in your pocket. Yeah. And I mean, even those of us who had cell phones during that time, those cell phones were nothing like they are today. <clears throat> it wasn't as easy for us. And, you know, that's why it always pisses me off because, you know, I have the the galaxy's greatest device in my possession. Uh-huh. If, if, and it's, you know, it's the internet. Being delusional today, but... No, no, it's the internet. Oh, I thought you were talking about the phone that you had. Oh, that... Oh, because it's a galaxy... Because yeah. Yeah, no, 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 that too. But no, no. Um, I can literally acquire any information that I can think of or even imagine through this phone. <clears throat> I can pay for things through this phone. I can share myself to the world through this phone. I can cuss Joe Biden out through this phone. So it's and like you know what? Mm -hmm. this is this is why I have such a pet peeve. With people who jump into like online debates and have no idea what the hell they're talking about. There's too much information out here. Yeah, I mean, because access is crazy. <laughs> like you can literally reach in your pocket and have the world at your fingertips. It's cliche, but accurate. I literally we just had this conversation because I tend to do that. I jump into like <laughs> phrase and conversations and debates. And I may read 20% of the argument and just formulate a whole, um, I wasn't even going to put you out there. A like whole that. argument. <laughs> side. No, I'm going to put myself out there. A whole arguing point aimed at like a headshot kill and not realizing that I'm the only one on the battlefield sometimes. And this is how me and Brandon actually met. Yeah. Cause I couldn't stand his ass when we met. <laughs> there, there's a young lady that I hurt her feelings because I read a post, a heartfelt post that she made far too quickly. And I thought that she was, I thought she was reposting for someone else. I didn't think that she was talking about herself. One, because in the small interactions I've had with her, she's showed herself to be a tough person, uh, especially tough on guys. <laughs> like, I don't want to say tough on guys, but kind of like how Chantel is in this film where she, um, she doesn't take no bullshit and she can kind of, you know, like she can smell bullshit a mile away. So when I'm reading like tidbits of the, uh, of the post, cause it was long and I, and I finally understand why people like avoid my long posts <laughs> just now. I just, well, I just kind of thought that people, um, didn't know how to read, but I realized they just, you know, sometimes they don't want to read or they'll, 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 they adjust their eyes to be able to consolidate massive amounts of text into like a few lines like they mm -hmm. think that like the keywords are enough to build the context so i'm like okay yeah you know this girl can't be her she's talking about she's talking about she's like reposting so i went od 
on the OP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. That, 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 you know, troll. I like the I like I like the ring of that the OD on the OP. But I thought it's troll. I, right I, it's a troll. It's some troll shit. It's I'm I'm not a troll, but like I thought she was talking about someone else. So I was like, man, let me hit this other person so that she, you know, the person that was posting, like the person that the original post came from, doesn't think that this is okay. And it was her. And I'm like, oh fuck, because <laughs> I don't feel that harshly about her or what she's doing. But it was like. Ah, I look stupid. Some some well-meaning mean stuff. Well, if you scrape away a lot of the abrasiveness, you would have found this. You would have found a good message in it. Other, you know, because essentially, know you. Essentially, what I was saying was that you should never allow. I don't even want. You should never allow someone to change you. Like I, I hear too often, men and women, they they're in the dating pool, but they're hurt. And they're hurt from a situation that they they didn't heal from. So when they talk about, man, I'll never date no short niggas again. Or something like that. Because they have one short nigga that hurt them. It's like, there's probably 90% short guys in your, in, your, in your DMs looking to treat you right. Oh my gosh. But no, what I'm saying is we, we all become jaded over time. Okay. And... I'm trying to bounce it back to the film so that it makes sense, but... I can bounce it back to the film. Okay. Go ahead. Chantel is probably Gerard's origin story. For oh, Gerard, he, the, the for, old man, uncle, kid? For for never, never um, just taking a woman out. He's probably somebody's uncle whispering in their ear right now. You need to take her on a pre-date to Starbucks before spending the real money on her. You know what? And I, I didn't even think of that. That's a very good thing that you're saying right now because, yes, now that's part of Gerard's history. He now has that story of a girl he really loved mm-hmm. that came from the same projects. You know, she was beautiful. She was smart. She was different. And just because I didn't have the money, I had the time, I had the energy, I had the, the, the affection for her. I had the pallet laid out in the laundry room. Man, I had a I had a <laughs> dirty comforter and some pillows on the floor. And it was the best time of my life. But she she just liked this nigga that had a flashy Jeep. I ain't had no money like that. But I had tokens. <laughs> I had I had I had, I had train loud. tokens. He said that out loud. You know, like honestly, she used to humiliate me at the dance. We went to a party together and she danced with all these men in front of me and, and, and told me I wasn't you know, shit. Like, I get it. That type of hurt, that doesn't go away. So, the 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 sad part is that he probably met a girl mm-hmm. that he was able to control everything for. He got the money now, you know, stuff like that. He doesn't even realize that he's just perpetuating a cycle. He doesn't realize it, especially if he has a daughter, right? Now his daughter already is, you know, he's probably in her head. Like <laughs> you're creating like a whole world. Yes. But that's how these this is how these things happen though. Worlds not only does life happen when you fuck around like this, but the world changes. The world fucking changes. This little girl changed the world. <laughs> <laughs> because I I I just 1993, imagine this being more than an indie film. Right. Imagine if it was on the level of Clueless, which came out around this time. 
these okay. these were literally the voices, the sounds, the images of girls in the nineties. As influential as Clueless was to white America, yeah. Just think about if this was Black America's Clueless. Just imagine. And I feel like on an underground level, it is. Yes. I mean, look what Insecure is doing for the young millennial girls now. Yep. It it's literally shaping them, you know, um, just because it's a good show. <laughs> and and not even just that, not even coming um, in that direction, but also when you think about representation, like mm-hmm. there, you, like you said, white American girls had clueless to see themselves. Right. But imagine black girls who saw this movie, or if it was like on the same level. Black girls will see this movie and black girls in the hood would. That's what I'm saying. Would feel like, you know, their stories are being told and things because everything in this movie, I'm just like, it reminds me of my older cousins and aunties and stuff like that. Uh, my, my aunts and uncles are very young. I even have an uncle like who's two years older than me. And one of my aunts that I'm really close to, uh, she's only, I think, eight or nine years older than me. Mm-hmm. So they were teenagers around this time. Yeah. And watching this movie, it reminds me of them and how they interacted with their friends and talking and stuff. And also my cousin Shamika, I used to tag along with her. And mm. this reminds me of that. Yeah. And, you know, to add on to the style of it, it's, it's like in the 90s, right? Like I said, you had your Clueless. You had the Edge of 17. You had... You know, Diary of a Teenage Girl. These were all things. These were all, you know, um, important films told from the vantage point or starring or centering young high school girls. Yeah. That were able to experience on the beginning stages of sex and maturity and decision making. And, you know, let's be clear. This was the independent movement. It was. None of all of those main characters they set their own rules they went after the guys they that's a big thing she went after her guys mm-hmm. in this film she was able to flip flop them she was able to you know i want to i want to dance with you i want to dance with you i want to fuck with you i want to date with you they made their own choices they weren't sitting around passively they were literally like they were the center of their universes mm-hmm. and you know, even watching this girl, just like the beginning stages of this film, she's just, she's getting around the city. She kind of reminds me of, um, Troy. From Cookley. She reminds me of Troy. And she also reminds me of, of Sydney. Yeah. Uh, from Brown Sugar. You know, as the film started, it's just like, she just getting around the town and, you know, everyone. It, and all through those movies, Brooklyn. Yeah. So, you it, know what she says in the beginning it's of a the culture. movie about Brooklyn girls. Yes. I'm going to play that clip, actually, because I love I'm, I'm going to say this. I love the the Guderian like breaking of the fourth wall, mm-hmm. the way that she even in mid like conversation with someone, she'll look right at us and be like, <laughs> let me tell you, all we're watching this movie. And Brandon's like, don't look at us. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, yo, like, honestly, I was. I, there was points I was so disappointed in her and she was getting ready to explain herself. I was like, nah, I ain't trying to hear that shit. Mm-mm. <laughs> but I love the fact that she served as her own narrator only when she was in control. She never narrated towards the end, if you noticed. Yeah. 
That's big. She always feels like she's in control. The world is her oyster until she loses a little bit of control. She now she even decide. uses her greatest ability, and that is talking to us. Mm-hmm. That was her. That was her gift because she knew she was above everyone. The, the only people that know that this whole life is a production. I don't mean to go deep, but we kind of. Put, anyways, the only time that we know that this whole thing is a production and we speak to the creators and shit. Those are called the gifted ones, whether it's God, yeah. whether it's the camera. Look at Truman's show, you know, like when he found it was a reality show his whole life or whatever. That's what she's acting like. She's acting like there's just a camera crew following me. And this is like reality TV. Yeah. And now, you know, I'm doing my testimonial. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you guys, you know, like, I think that was so dope. And it could have been like, I think real world was a thing then, right? I think Real World started in 91, yeah. Yeah. So I think that idea of, you know, that was a very new concept. And it was very useful to hear her thoughts be as chaotic as the words that came out of her mouth. And you know what else, too? I think that when she would do her monologues, they were also reminders to us that she was a teenager. Yeah. Because we're watching her do all of these very adult things. A lot of your shows, I don't know if the new, the reboot does it, but one of yours was all about a man narrating his life as a boy mm-hmm. and his ability to explain Kevin Arnold or I don't know who the boy is in the remake, in the reboot. Dean. Dean. Is he being narrated by a grown version of himself? Yes, it's okay. actually narrated by Don Cheadle. There you go. Even uh, Everybody Hates Chris. Chris is narrating his childhood life. Yeah. And they're able to apply adult, you know, logic to a lot of the situations that he found himself in. So explaining it to us was, you know, mature. Her narration was as age appropriate, ignorant, Mm -hmm. as arrogant, as self-centered as the words that came out of her mouth, which was very it's it's a unique thing as a narrator. And and you have that, like in contrast, you you see her working a job, yeah. and actually being left in charge yeah. to show how mature she is. You see her standing up to her teachers mm-hmm. about the content, which is a very mature thing to do mm-hmm. or a very mature risk to take, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you see her talking to her principal about her being the one who's directing her future, not the principal, not anybody else. She let him say everything she had to say. Uh, he had to say, and then she still said, "Well, at the end of the day, I can do it, so I'm going to do it." And yeah. then, of course, we see her with her siblings taking care of the house while her parents are working, and of course, the sex. Yes. So we see her doing all of these very mature things, and then we also get the monologues where it's like, "No, she, you know what? She's 17. She's absolutely 17." Yeah. So. With that being said, um, (laughs) to kind of circle back, I do need to make sure that I read stuff before I jump into it. That is kind of like reminiscent of her being young minded and just putting her point out before she understands the severity of a situation. Because even her whole discussion with the principal was just ridiculous because she wasn't listening. And the one with the teacher. Yeah. The teacher had a very valid point. Extremely valid. Like her point was, it was a valid point Uh being made at the wrong time. And that's all the teacher was saying too. 
like this class is a history class. Yeah. We're not studying contemporary uh, exactly. conflicts and things right now. Because honestly, all the history I learned in, in school never had anything to do with, you know, any Afrocentric ideals. So when I finally went to FAM and everything was told from the black perspective, not the white perspective, that's when I was like, yo, they were hiding this from us? And see, like, my education was sandwiched a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I started off in a school that was very pro-black, like we had Kwanzaa programs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that for 10 years. And then, you know, the rest of my education, well, no, because middle school, I would say was pretty black too. Yeah. Um, but high school, predominantly white school. And then I left there a place where, you know, I told my favorite, favorite teacher I was like, you know, I got accepted into like three HBCUs and I'm leaning towards Bowie. And he was just like, yeah, but you can go to a different university and have a better education. Um, He was like, Bowie is not going to look as good on a resume as a different type of school. Mm. But in my mind, I'm just like, I was never seriously considering any college that wasn't an HBCU. Like this has been a dream of mine for as long as I've known what HBCU was. Mm. And that's like childhood. So, no, like that, leaving that type of environment to go to an HBCU and be reminded of stuff that I was taught, like when I was younger, and to have that type of atmosphere again, yeah, that was very cool. There you go. Um, yeah, 100%. Um, I'm going to play this clip. From her first monologue, I believe it was. Yeah. And you'll get an idea about what we mean about her narration. She's very New York, by the way. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of loud. Shit. Let me bring that down. People today be bugging. The other day I was on the number two train with my friends, just bugging out, having a good time. And people just started staring at us like we were some sort of street girls with no future. Yeah. When I'm with my friends, I act like it don't matter. Because it don't. But between you and me, that shit pisses me off. When they think they can just judge you by the way you dress? Uh-uh. I always get A's and B's in all my classes. I'm the best student in my count class. <laughs> People be tripping when they find out how smart I really am. <laughs> you see, and the thing is, she is very, very smart. Mm-hmm. In fact, she's too smart to be this dumb. Yeah. And that, that's 17. part of my problem. So do we just like from like 14 to like 18, do we just kind of like, oh, just get away. Are we insane? Yes. Yes. We're absolutely insane. And it's like, we're trying so hard to be good people. But the number one thing that's on many of our minds, Ugh. you know. And it's like, it's like a drug. Like teenagers would do anything to get it. It is a drug. Oh my gosh, man. Can we like start another pandemic? Why? Keep everybody in the house, man. (laughs) Man. Keep everyone's asses in the house, man. Cause like, honestly, I just see it getting worse. (laughs) I don't know how, but I just feel like it's going to get worse. But I, I feel for the people who had teenagers at home during this time Mm. like 
I was still in your house with your teenage. That sounds terrible. I was yeah. about to explain the rest. I was teaching virtually. So I was sort of in their houses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was not physically in anybody's house with their teenager. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Yeah, it sounds nasty, actually. <laughs> oh, man. I hope people listen to the explanation. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel for anybody who had a teenager at home. Mm. Because those teenagers were insane. Imagine your body. Like your body is telling you that you have to have sex. It's, it's lasted for about twenty years. I can tell you all about oh that. Oh my gosh! I'm 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 being real. Like that's how men. This is this is men. This mm-hmm. is manhood. You have the religious kids who are suppressing that feeling and they're just like you know what, whatever. Um, and they can manage because that's what they're supposed to do. But then you have the kids who have had sex before, mm-hmm. or the kids who really want to have sex. Yeah. Oh man, I'm sure they got on their parents' last nerves. I'm sure of it. Mm. I mean, yeah, but here's my thing, though. When when we really chop her character up, when we really put it all together, what good is intelligence if you don't use it? I don't know. And not only was she like book smart, but she was street smart too. Yeah. And she didn't use any of it. None of it. None of it. And it's like she, what she has is more important than what she was showing. Because what she has is the ability to find new information. That's what high school is all about. It's learning how to learn. Yeah. Or no, no, sorry. College is about learning how to learn. High school is about preparing yourself for that journey, though, of learning how you to mean learn. Like socially. Yes. Okay. So when it comes to when it came to her, she was literally like, "Okay, I think I might be pregnant. So let me let me get eight books about pregnancy." How many girls do that? And she would. The only thing she didn't do was understand what was happening to her when it was happening to her. Which I still don't understand if she read so much. Unless she just read ridiculous context about like just pregnancy or early childhood, and but this not is so where much. I have to step in for the sisters because I'm sure anybody listening to this is just like, Brandon, really? What do you mean? She was in labor, period. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, no, no, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about everything leading up. Like, she took all these tests after test after test after oh, test. After reading? Oh, that was her being in denial. I thought you were talking about... Oh, okay, that's what I'm saying. Labor. I'm just... Oh, no, no. You can't, you, you can't, even, <laughs> you can't expect a, a premature labor. Okay. What okay. I'm saying is that, like, she was in denial about it. And I'm like, yo, you read all this stuff. You know what this yeah, is. Yeah, she, she knew. She right. was just like, nope, this is not happening to me. It is, baby. Nope. It is. <laughs> but can we talk about how, like fast thinking she was and I think you touched on it a mm. little bit mm-hmm. earlier but she had a solution for everything she we only saw this with Harper Stewart where he could put his mind into anyone's body and figure out what they're gonna do she knew she could hide her stomach because her mom would you know assume that she was just being a fatty she knew that she could change her wardrobe 
She knew that she could buy different sizes of the same clothes and she hide it. She bought the pads and put them in the drawer. Yes. So it's like, even even when she, when the brother knocked the pads out of her grocery bag, mm-hmm. she allowed it to happen because at least she could say, you saw me buy pads, right? Yeah. Yep. He told she told her homegirl that she got her period. Everything is cool. She will have multiple points of reference to her having a full complete cycle. Mm-hmm. That's ingenious. But she thought of all that and didn't think about how to deal with her dude. Here's the part that originally confused me. Mm-hmm. Cuz I'm like this girl, she sat in the clinic and she said, "I don't think I could carry my baby for 9 months." Yeah. And give it up for adoption. Yeah. But then, you know, her actual feelings about being pregnant mm-hmm. came out at the end when she's like, I don't want this baby to tie me down mm-hmm. and everything like that. And I'm just like, I really wish that she would have had the brain to tell somebody who could have walked her through this decision. Yeah. I really wish. I mean, that I forget the woman's name that she eventually reached out to yeah the woman for the from the clinic from the clinic she was the closest thing to a big sister or a mentor that she had and you know for her to not take advantage of some of that knowledge it it showed her ignorance it really did you know so it's like there's just too many and i'm i don't necessarily want to give it to just age i i don't understand when people um they simply, they simply just, um, they don't, they ignore their own in- intelligence. You know, they, they go on their own path. So even when, you know, even when taking the whole stance of, oh, you know, I want to go, I want to like leave school early. I want to, um, I want to graduate early and go to college. Her whole thing was about going to college and, you know, leaving her friends behind, leaving Brooklyn behind, leaving the IRT behind. That was her main concern. And, you know, it's a great goal to have. I think that a lot of us at 16, 17, 18, we look for reasons, those of us that want to leave home and do something uh, profound and go somewhere great and go to a different college what we do is we create situations in our head like greater than us just having the want to go but the need to go that's what she was doing she said she she said in so many words that she felt like even in her own home she was kind of just adding to like her family's like stagnancy when it came to money not being enough to go around and paying bills and, you know, having food and paying bills. It, it She kind of used it as a mission to, like, be something. And she aimed high. She wanted to be a doctor. She wanted to be a doctor. She loved learning. She loved school. She just hated... She hated the fact that, you know, honestly... She hit the lazy, like a lot of, a lot of smart people are lazy. And what happened with her is that she was completely, she was a lazy person and she wanted to talk about what she wanted to talk about. 
not, you know, what the teachers wanted to talk about, not what, you know, the curriculum was. She was like, listen, I'm, I'm learning my own shit. So we can talk about what I want to talk about. Like, imagine the nerve of one of your students coming into your classroom, Ty, and saying, hey, yeah, 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 I know what you got on the lesson plan, but but let's talk about Ukraine. I actually had a few students like that. Oh, there you go. And I would always tell them, well, do you have a lesson ready to go? Because I worked on this lesson. So if you don't have a lesson plan, then, you know, um, I had one who uh, he wanted to teach poetry. Okay. So I forgot which poet I was actually teaching them that day. And he wanted to do a different poet who wasn't in the curriculum. A black poet or a white poet? It was a black poet, mm-hmm. but we were already doing a black poet. Okay. And um, I was just like, all right, if you got a lesson plan. He was like, I don't have a lesson plan. I said, okay, make one tonight and come in and you can teach it tomorrow. Mm. And my, my uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, <laughs> I got the opportunity to uh, teach two of my classes. And um, the first one was, was, uh, my AP biology course, um, I was very, 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 um, intrigued with cloning. We had just talked about, you know, um, how twins are conceived and, you know, like all the differences and similarities and yada, yada, yada. Okay. And, uh, I had made a statement that like, why why do people not never consider the one that was born first as the original and the other as the clone <laughs> and it kind of just like it, it it became like this whole fucking like <laughs> like oh you asshole like that two people i'm like no there's one person and one person's you know fucking same age clone <laughs> so <laughs> So my teacher was like, listen, okay, we're going to explain this in a way so that it doesn't, you know, uh, insult anybody. Because there was a girl in there. She had a twin sister. And she was the, I don't like to say this. And I'm I'm not, she was the less attractive twin. Oh, I thought you were about to say something even worse. But she was older. So. People were like twisting my words and saying, how are you the original and (laughs) the clone looks better. Oh, my! so and I felt horrible because this she was a nice girl. And here's the thing. And this is why, like, I felt horrible today about that girl, because I'm like, yo, I I was so standoffish. I was like, yo, dust yourself off. Try again. You know, stop complaining. We don't care, you know, and stop complaining to social media because trust me, that nigga doesn't care. And I was like. And the whole time I'm I'm reading, I'm like, oh shit, this was her. And I don't see. I didn't want to say that to her. Like I I was, I would have been like, hey, you know, like everybody else. Like I I do believe that, but the bigger message is like, just don't give up. Don't give up. Don't lose that part of yourself. And so I'm watching, you know, some of the jokes hit this twin, and I felt horrible. So what I did was. Um, the teacher allowed me to do like a little lesson plan thing. So I came up with a um, philosophical type based 
question answer type of thing, right? And I said, at age 21, let's say you are gifted with your perfected embryo from your mom, your dad, it's you. And you have to place it in, you know, in vitro, whatever, with any woman and you choose to, you know, carry the, the, the embryo to term and you have to raise yourself. What? Yes. How do we get here? No, we're, we're here. <laughs> we're here. You have to raise yourself from, from a fetus to like you, you raise your infant self, <laughs> your toddler self, your childhood self, you, this is you. I don't think we would get a me. And that was my question. Could you raise you into you? No. Why do you say no? Um, well, first of all, my mother is an extrovert. Okay. And I feel like because she's an extrovert, I'm an introvert. <laughs> so. So, so you wouldn't get the reason why you became an introvert from you? You'd probably make a fucking extrovert. Something. I don't think I would be the way that I am. Go, little Ty, go. (laughs) She's shaking her little pampers and shit. (laughs) I mean, that could be. And I also think, I was just talking about this on Facebook, uh, like last week or so. My mom let me do everything I wanted to do in high school. Okay. all the activities and stuff. That's some bullshit. (laughs) Now, me. We can't afford that shit. Well, thank you. That's the first point. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, we have to narrow something down and we're going to put our focus into like one or two things. Mm-hmm. And, you know. You know, you know what the most profound answer came from? What's that? The twin girl. She raised her hand. And she goes, so Mr. Johnson, let me ask you a question. In order to make you into who you are. Can you account for the memories that have shaped you that you can't remember in full? Wow. And I said, oh, fuck. In my head. That's but a good comeback. I literally had an oh, fuck face up there. <laughs> like, I was just like, I was like. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, basically, uh, you are who you uh See, there's a core version of you, and uh, <laughs> it's just based on the stuff that you do remember. So, uh, you know, the things that you don't remember in full obviously don't affect you. So, yeah. what about the subconscious, though? Mm-hmm. Fuck. Um, see, the subconscious only dwells in the realm that the conscious is at rest. So if you like, he sounds like a hotel, y'all. <laughs> if your consciousness is always in power, uh, <laughs> like she, she caught me. And in that discussion alone, not only did she not like, I don't know if like everyone was so cool about it that they were just like, oh, she's cool. Mm-hmm. They, they never mess with her again. Then, and, and, and that was cool because I mean, she's a good girl. I added her on Facebook like 10 years. I never said anything to her, but at least we're Facebook friends. Um, <laughs> but that just goes to show you sometimes like the, the kids, they, we will we'll ignorantly think that we're smarter than everybody else. 
Oh, yeah. And she does that to a fault. She thinks she can outsmart her friends that she actually trusts. She can outsmart her parents easily. Remember the first time she asked to go out on a Saturday night? She got a no. She was like, all right. And did you notice that she asked the mom? The mom said no. No. Asked and the dad. She, no, she yeah, she told the dad yep. that uh, she had plans. Yes. But she told him exactly what the plans were. Your Boom. call has been forwarded to an automated voice. Oh, damn. I thought she was calling you. Like, shut your ass up. <laughs> oh, man. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> but she told her dad. That's what I picked up on. She didn't ask her dad to be able to do something. She told him, like, I got plans. I'm going on a date. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, did I miss something? Do they all live in the same house or no? They do. But- so mom and dad are that fractured that she can literally tell them totally different things. It's not even that. It's the fact that they work opposite shifts. So they're hardly ever home. I know that. At the same time. That's how me and me and my son, you know, and, and his mom are. Opposite shifts. So I get. They say stuff in passing. Right. And, you know. Oh, thinking man. Of, thinking about the fact that they probably are not in the house at the same time most cases. Mm-hmm. To realize that the little bit of time they have together is usually spent arguing. That Jeez. was me. That was me. Oh, I was argument king, okay? I was I was Mr. Argument. As you could tell in the group, like I was about I, to say. Yeah, like, yeah. No, no, that's every like it was every day. Else. It was, like what what I did with y'all was sparring, okay? I would go in there in the ring. Like I would fucking <laughs> Brandon, this is why I didn't like your ass for like a whole year. Listen, man, years. I was but you have to understand, man, I was in a bad place, man. I was bitter. <laughs> okay, what's your excuse now? Wait, what you mean what's my excuse now? I don't argue. No, nothing with friends. I don't fight. I don't argue. We're friends. I just nothing. hit that I, thing I with a bottle. Who are you going to hit? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. But anyways. Um, I'm no. happy that you saw this movie because now I think you have more of an idea of why I am like why I, like who I am now. I get it. With the the tough stuff sometimes. I get it. I get it. I mean, like, yes, I, I understand she needed the toughness because, like, there's just dudes sitting around like they're construction workers whistling at girls and hissing at girls That's and ayo, like, everywhere. And I think men do take for granted how much a woman gets approached or or talked to or DM'd or unsolicited pics or, you know, I think that we really... To be honest, we we really have no idea how much it happens to y'all. And you know what else, too? Talking about, like, reasons why girls in New York have to be tough. Um, Subways. Well, yeah, the subways. But this movie kind of kept it squeaky clean. Like, Mm. we kind of got a feel for New York. They talked about somebody getting shot up the block and everything. But during this time, nobody really makes mention of drugs aside from... Well, I don't think crack... This was... Well, yeah, this is 93. Yeah. Yeah, never mind. Um, she said something about people might have thought that they were on drugs or whatever in the beginning, but we don't really talk about the reality of drugs during that time. Right. And there were drug in drugs in the school. Yeah. Everybody's wow. one wants to go off this episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, man. Oh man. But no, um, there's no backdrop of drugs and drugs play a huge part. And everything, because if you think about the possible trouble you can find yourself in just walking down the street in yeah. New York. Yeah. 
Like, you have to be able to stand your own. Yeah. Um, including the girls. Now, I was a little... Especially the girls. I was a little kid and everything, but when I tell you the older kids on the block, they would try to toughen me up all the time. Yeah. And I'm talking about uh, making people fight <laughs> each other, um, practicing how to get jumped properly. Hey. Yeah. It's like, real stuff. What, what, what do you do if you... These older kids, and I'm not calling out anybody's names or anything like that, but older kids, they used to be like, what do you do if you get jumped? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's the type of, it's the type of like brothering or sistering that you have to go through. It's like a rite of passage in New York. Yeah. 100%. Where the, where the older kids, your older cousins or kids on the block, they're going to tell you what you need to do if yeah. you find yourself in a certain situation. And um, I was actually talking to one of my childhood friends from the block earlier, um, I had posted on my Instagram story the fact that I'm trying to break out of my show a little bit more and not always come across as shy to people because people think I'm shy and quiet, and I don't think I am, but... There you go. But uh, she's somebody who knew me from when I was like a baby. Mm -hmm. She was like, yeah, you've been shy and quiet your entire life. Yeah. (laughs) So... So just like knowing that and um, thinking back to like how her older sister and some of the other kids in my building, they would just like just try to get me to be tough. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I got into this fight with a girl and I wasn't going to fight her. I was just trying to talk it out. Yeah. Be a lover, not a fighter. I had a very short temper when I was a kid, too. Oh, just then? <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. But no, um, I was trying to talk it out or whatever, and she kept accusing me of taking her Averex jacket, and I was like, what do I need your Averex jacket for? I got my own. Were they different colors? No, it was the Tuskegee Airmen one. Oh, look at y'all, man. It was drip, drip, drip. (laughs) (laughs) All right, shit. (laughs) But no, like, she's she's trying to fight me because she think I took her Averex being funny. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't do that or whatever. Mm. So we ended up, um, like, just walking around. And you know how guys do it. Y'all walk around in circles and stuff and figure out who's going to hit first. Yeah, so yeah. So we were kind of doing that. And we were, like, shoulder to shoulder, just walking around in a circle, yelling at each other. <laughs> oh, man. It's like a it's like a glorified roast session. <laughs> oh, man. And I'll never forget this, too. So one of my other friends from the block who kind of treated me like, you know, a little sister or whatever. Yeah. Actually, this is uh, Big L's niece. Mm. I remember she came over there and she cursed the girl out for me. And she told the the girl that I was her god sister. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't even see her coming up, but she was just there. And I was like, because I don't want to fight this girl. And she came up and, uh, you know. She kind of smoothed things over. Me and the girl still fought like later that week, and I whooped her ass. But I was trying not to fight. Mm-hmm. Wow, I didn't know this about this film. What? I'm just googling. I'm I'm googling as you speak. <laughs> um, just another girl in the IRT won a special jury prize at the Sundance in 1993 because mm-hmm. it is an indie film, and. It's still this rare today for that prize to be bestowed upon a black woman that wrote it, directed it, co-produced it, and made the actual actress lead a black woman. Yeah. That is crazy. And to this day, what, 
we're talking about almost I'm not good at math. 20 years later. 20 plus years. <laughs> 20 plus years later. Oh, no. No, no. It'll be 20 years next year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 93. Right. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy. Oh, wait, no, no. 30. Sorry. Shit. We're tripping. We are tripping big. No, no. You're tripping bigger than I am. No, I caught it. No, no. I said 20 plus years the first time. <laughs> you were like, no. <laughs> huh? <laughs> it's early in the morning, guys. <laughs> it is. <clears throat> but anyways, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's. It's that crazy of a movie. You didn't tell me this shit, man. Guys, I promise you I told this guy. I, I promise you. Like, when we started this podcast, I said, we need to watch Just Another Girl in the IRT. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah. You, didn't you say that in the beginning of the episode? See, they, they, they can hear you. Uh, anyway, Chantel is a high school senior. <laughs> or junior. No, she's yeah, a junior. Yeah, she wants to leave junior, early. Right? She's a junior. But she got like these like I love this about kids is when they have these lofty life ambitions. I don't I wouldn't say that they were lofty. It was They reasonable. were lofty. I don't know where the money for her to go to school was coming That's from. That's one. And her but, attitude. What the principal said to her was real. He, okay. The Do way you see he, her the go- way that he said it is very nineties. Yes. But yes. it was it was accurate. Yes. You have to understand the F word flew back then and so could talking like this. I don't think that principal in twenty twenty two talks to his students like that, is no, what I'm saying. No, it's not gonna be about oh you're not ladylike. Right. It, it won't have been about maturity. Can we ever say ladylike again? No. Go ahead and say it. It depends on the cert or the setting. Okay. So if I say if I say to um a young lady who happens to be sitting like Chantel sat the whole film with her legs open and I say, hey, that's unladylike, that would be a strike against me. Yeah, I wouldn't say it in that setting. It, I wouldn't say it in that setting. You see? And is but, that a bad thing to say? Go ahead and say yes. I would be annoyed by it. I knew it. No, I would be annoyed by it. But then, thinking, but, don't worry about people looking up your skirt. But that's a realistic consequence. It's not a consequence that's being thought of, I don't think, when you're just sitting. See, if I come to you and say you should sit like a lady, this is hypothetically because I don't care. I won't ever tell a woman to sit anyway. I'll just get my peaks in. But what I'm saying is if I tell you to sit Ew. like a lady, right? Ew. Ew. <laughs> Ew. If I tell you to sit like a lady and then you're like, well, I want to sit how I want to sit. I'm comfortable like this, so shut the fuck up. Oh, okay, my bad. And then some dude walks by and he's just like, oh, shit. Remember how um, uh, Sydney, uh, not Sydney. Uh, what's her name? Monica. Monica was sitting at the prom, and she she's so used to being an athlete, she forgot that her legs were wide open. She was wearing a little like mini skirt, and dudes were walking around like licking their lips, like oh yeah yeah, Birdman hand rubbing and shit like that. You can't like if, if I walked by five seconds later and said, hey yo Monica, um, you know, you know you, you may want to sit proper. Man, fuck you, nigga. Yeah, right, I wouldn't even right, say it like that either. All right, then. But, <laughs> Bye. <laughs> but for more reasons than one, I think it's better to just say, like, hey, if you don't want anybody to see blah, blah, blah. Then that would assume that I, like, I was looking. I say, no, this is, okay, so this is what I would say. If I saw my female friend 
Mm-hmm. And she was like, she might have forgotten that she had a dress on. Yeah. And she's sitting and you can see stuff. Yeah. I go and whisper in her ear, I think you're showing more than you might want to. Imagine my voice. Hold on. <clears throat> Imagine you're sitting there. You, you, you're comfortable. All right. You, you're just chilling. You're looking in your phone. You don't even see me come up. And I just like. You might be showing a little bit more than you want to. No, you can't do that. <laughs> I can't. As a man, in that situation, if you know it's like an accident or something, she doesn't notice. As a man, I would just would keep walking. One, I would tell another woman to go tell her. You might want to tell her. <laughs> you might want to tell your friend that I can see your panties. You, does any of it sound good? No, it well, doesn't. If you say it like that. <laughs> Well, how do you want me to say it? Because then I'm going to go to my friend like, that creep just told me. You're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> go no, tell your girl but, that I can see her goodies. Nah, but like saying, <laughs> saying ladylike and things like that, it just doesn't, it doesn't hit the same way anymore. Like if I'm in church and somebody says something about ladylike. So you can only hear it from fucking uh, Maya Angelou in them, huh? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like in places where I think etiquette is expected, mm-hmm. where people follow that etiquette. Yes. I think that it might be more appropriate. I still I still think it's annoying, but it, it'll but here's be more the thing. appropriate to say it in those cases. Here's the thing. Lady etiquette never ends. Never. Never. But if you don't buy into it at all. That's masculine. I don't want to have this conversation. I know, I know, and I got you here. Let's go. Brandon, no. <laughs> no, if you're not ladylike, then you're masculine to men. Maybe y'all have like different levels and degrees. I will say according to men. Etiquette. <laughs> etiquette. We're, we're talking to this dude who took like etiquette classes and stuff and knows this and stuff. And they told they so taught me this. into it a little bit. And I do too. But I how many napkins did I offer you today? All the napkins. Exactly. And that was yesterday. Cover your lap. Cover your, your, your bib area. I don't want to call it anything else. You have one for your hand. You have one for... Like, like napkins galore. Because a woman doesn't... You don't need uh, ketchup and jelly stains on your shirt. Mm-hmm. But still. Like, <laughs> in today's society, these kids don't know anything about that. But, we were learning this in school, too. But, yes. Because I come from I come from the era where kids had, you know, uh, uh, etiquette classes. They had um, early childhood classes. They had, what's the one? Uh, home economics. Mm-hmm. Like, they had things that were literally in school preparing them for living life. Even mechanics classes, carpentry. Dewey actually has something that he made from his uh, class. I still have my shit in the garage somewhere. You know, like we had to be good with, we had to have like basic knowledge of tools and saws and wood. Yep. And that ended like two years after I left high school. They cut all of that out of the curriculum. While they, te- while they showed kids that they could still be sexually active and make kids, they weren't teaching them how to, they weren't putting keys inside of these little dolls anymore. They weren't carrying mm-hmm. eggs. None of that shit. So to me, it's like, And I know they did that during her time. I know she had classes lined up oh, yeah. to teach her about these things. Yeah. And the fact that she was this ignorant about it is upsetting to me. 
She's 17 years old at this point. She's talking about going to college. You knew if she didn't get caught up with uh Ty what's the name Tyrone? Yeah. If she didn't get caught up with Tyrone, how quickly do you think she would have been caught up in college? I was thinking that too when she was sitting with her girls talking about it. Yeah. And I'm just like she probably would have gone buck wild. Yes, in college. Big time. It 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 would have been well damn. <laughs> Our flyer for Oxcord Battles, by the way, keeps popping up <laughs> and I can't necessarily get away from it. So sorry if you hear that. Yeah, turn um, my speaker all the way down so it wouldn't happen. <laughs> Oxcord Battles, every Wednesday, you get it from one of us at our other platforms and our black film uh, group that we have. Yes. Um, if you go to our website, anchor.fm forward slash GLS pod, it will mm. link you to the OL website. Where you can find links to all of our other stuff. Yes. 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 And trust me, we're posting every single week. Multiple times a week. We don't sleep. <laughs> but anyway, not this one. Not this one. No, oh, shit. What is sleep? Um, but, um, you know, this, this movie gave me vibes close to how the popularity of euphoria is we have this weird fixation even as adults where we want to see teenagers live their lives and i i started to try to like during the movie i started to try to like piece together my fascination with high school dramas and coming of age stories okay and it's because we we're stuck in that realm between wishing we could do these things and knowing better yeah. And when we watch Euphoria, yeah, it seems kind of rough to some of us like late 30s types of people. But it's realistic. It's 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 raw, it's gritty. And to a very lesser degree, I can say a majority of us have experienced a lot of what, what happens in that shit. And that's why this film was so important. It represents the same thing. Yeah. I There's a Chantel in, in every floor of every project. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't... She was a beautiful girl. But she wasn't like... Like, her her story didn't have to be too unique. It's not like she was there because she was prettier than everybody else or that she was like... You know, even the the reasons, the the situations that she got into, she didn't get into it with any kind of talent level or any kind of, you know, luck that no one else can get into. I see her life in, in you know, her day in the life story could be anybody's story there. Yeah. Her friend. What's her friend's name again? I'm sorry. Uh, her two friends were Natet and Lavonica. Natet. She, she could literally have, she could have been the, story, the star of this story and yeah. we would have understood it. Yeah. You know? And it kind of, the first time I saw this movie, it kind of lined up that way yeah. for me in my head. I thought that it would have been a tet. Um, and I know that there's like an underlying uh, trope with Natet as well. Um, she's portrayed as like the one who doesn't have as much book smarts as um, Chantel. And that's a whole thing where we typically see like the darker skinned friend who's a little bit thicker and not as smart as the main character. So we do have that, but 
because of all of these things, I thought that Natette was going to be the one to like slip up because of what she said about pregnancy and birth control and things like that. I, I, I that was a strike against me. I mean, a strike against her to me when she was talking ignorantly about mm-hmm. STDs and pregnancy when it came to sex. But in the overall scheme of this whole film, you can't say that she was not displaying more intelligent moves than Chantel. Even oh, though Chantel absolutely. was smarter, I think that she was smart enough to stay away from boys the way that Chantel was callously going after boys. Even at the party where she was drunk, she still wasn't boy hungry and chasing them. No. She lived vicariously through Chantel, and that was fine for her. Even yep. through her pregnancy, she kind of vicariously lived through it. And she was perfectly fine with that. And she stayed away from that shit. Like, she could go to college. The real college if she wanted to. Yeah. She didn't have to stay home and then raise a child and then go to community college later on. So, when we talk about intelligence, it's it's one thing to be book smart. It's another to be street smart. And as street smart as Chantel was at the beginning, the problem was that she was boy hungry. You can see from just that opening scene that I just played for y'all. Right after that, what did she do? A boy walked by that winked at her. She looked at us, smiled, and went right after him. Yeah. To me, that shows me that with all of that gift of intelligence and confidence and ability to roam the streets as you please, set your, you know machinations your schematics your schemes and be able to do whatever the hell you want but to turn into a total fool when a guy walks by and winks at you but it's it's kind of what the movie is saying overall too the whole time Chantel tries to show us that she's not like every other girl in high school Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but she is she is Yes, she's bright. Yes. And she has a promising future. But you still do the same teenage girl things Thank as everybody you. else. Thank you. Including this this thing that you never thought could happen to you. It happens to you. Not Natat, not Lavonica, you. I think I'm very, very smart. I'm the only dumb one that puts myself in situations that I have to dig myself out of many years later. That's just me. Despite how intelligent I think I am, I put myself in hard situations from time to time. I do. Even when I know better. And I have friends that are around me that will never make the mistakes that I make that I can see coming up. It's weird like that. But before we go too far off, because I'm ready to, let's talk about the big issue and the real plot of this film. Okay. When it comes to Chantel. Eventually, yes. Her boy hungriness, her boy hunger, by the way, or rather, it it spells her, her doom, so to speak. All those dreams, all those hopes, they were killed because she didn't have the control. And she went and got pregnant with Tyrone in a very vivid and vivacious way. You know why she uh why she got pregnant? Because she her. thought she was so smart, she doubled up on her birth control. Not even that. It was her ego. Yeah. Because she wanted she had something to prove to him. That she was smarter than him? 
No, that like she she could back up everything she said. That I could fuck, I could just have you and then still go to med school. Hmm. What that she could have him and then still go to med school? No, not even that. Like, okay, so they're in the room and they're about to go at it. Yeah. And she asked him if he had a rubber. He said no. And he basically was trying to make it out that she left. Yes. And nope, I can't have that. Um, you need to know that I'm for real. And that's why she, against her better judgment, had sex with him unprotected. She knew better. But she didn't want to seem like a liar. Right. Even though she is a liar. Listen, <laughs> this is another last episode. I did a message to the young girls. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm going to do another one. Okay. If mm. for any, any reason you want to revoke consent during sex. Yes. Even if you're butt naked in this bed. Yes. You can still say no. One thousand percent. And fellas, if at any point, any moment, you're on a date with this girl and she pulls out her phone and she ain't listening to your questions, she's not participating in the conversation, she's just ordering it up. You cut come that bill off. Row. Now come to death row, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> All in the videos. <laughs> That's how you were sounding. <laughs> you, cut, you cut that shit off. You, you're not obligated to buy your way into no dating situation. You're not obligated to buy your way into no draws. You can cut it off at any moment you don't feel comfortable i want you to leave because all you're gonna do is invite a situation or an environment for one of y'all to hurt each other and that is not worth it we're gonna play the long organ on that one because it is the truth thank you i halfway thought you were gonna say something important all jokes aside wait wait hold on what <laughs> i thought you were gonna be like and if at any point fellas uh-huh a woman takes away consent yeah that's it oh yeah yeah no no that is it if <laughs> no, she takes away consent you were going at first yeah no i mean if she takes away consent for sex that's you know game over um but like what I would tell you, you, you young bucks, is that sex is a mental game before it's a physical game. So, I mean, yes, sometimes it happens first day and you're not able to establish a mental connection, but it's always better when it's a mental connection. So always make sure that if you're about to have sex with a girl, it's because she is literally giving you all the signs, all the permission, all of the, um, you know, green lights that you can use to not just verbal right like get verbal but well yeah you definitely get verbal i mean but honestly for other things too not just that verbal yes no no i i haven't you know to some degree in writing whether even if it's text it has to be like it's yo understood kill. like you can't you can't even you know chill at someone's house and be like yo let's watch netflix and chill anymore like that's not enough anymore i don't mm -hmm. think I think that, you know, people really have to have it established over time that, you know, okay, I'm cool with this. Like, just make sure you get all the green flags. Yes. 
Because, you know, and just like I, 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 I plan to tell my kids, like, the worst thing that comes out of, you know, having sex too early or having sex at all is not just pregnancy and STDs. It's feelings. That is the most dangerous thing. It's more dangerous than any STD. It's feelings. Because if you hurt the wrong person's feelings, they will try to hurt you. And they won't stop until you get hurt. That's an interesting way of putting it. And that's I how I feel about before. it. Like, honestly, I never, honestly, like, I never really thought about that. And then I thought about, like, in my past, like, all the women that I've hurt to some degree. And I'm like, man. Because I remember how I felt when I was hurt. Like, I felt like. Like, I would have stupid thoughts, of course. I think everyone has stupid thoughts from time to time that I would never act on. But, like, I had stupid thoughts. And I think that's enough. Some people don't have that strength to come back from a stupid thought. Or, or you know, Chantel ain't got no kind of comeback. (laughs) But, like, yeah, some people don't come back from stupid thoughts. And when you get hurt, when you get hurt to that degree. I'm sorry, it sounded like you said. Say what? It sounded like you said people don't come back from stupid thoughts. Some some people don't come back from stupid thoughts. <laughs> some of these thoughts and fuck these boys up, um, but uh, or girls, you know, because dudes, you know, they could be thoughts too. I guess we're doing equality here. Yes, <laughs> and it's good that you bring up equality and all that. No, there ain't no equality in this shit. <laughs> There's no equality in it because, like she said, when she finally got pregnant, I got to deal with this. Mm-hmm. So she treated it the whole entire time like it was just her dealing with it and that was her stupid move because it wasn't just her dealing with it this was still as much his responsibility as it was hers just because it's inside of her does not inoculate him from any kind of you know and i'm not the one to call the cot the 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 pot or the kettle or the black or the what but (laughs) what i'm saying is that if you are aware Right. Mm-hmm. And if you are in any type of state or place to be able to help or assist during that time, you should. You're like at the movie theater. You're you're that kid at the movie theater. Just grab the Swedish fish. Go ahead. Go ahead. Enjoy. Hold on. Hold on. Let me play some sound clips. There you go. Okay. You good? <laughs> And pour pour at least seventeen out in your hand so you can just chill. <laughs> I got him. I got him. All right. No. Um, but you should want to help. And the issue was at that point, her stupidity had grown far beyond her realm of, you know, being able to reel it back in that she was no longer able to communicate with him. I think that was the biggest issue throughout her entire pregnancy. She was afraid to communicate with anybody how bad it was or how much it was affecting her or how scared she was or how in, you know, uh, incapable she was and how, you know, um, like how many mothers do we have walking around by themselves with a child or children knowing that they had no way to do it? To, to, to support it, to fund it, yet here they are. Right. With children and they're 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 making they're they're making ends meet, but that's it. That's all it'll ever be. Lifetime of struggle. And 
mostly because of stupid, small, trivial arguments you have during the pregnancy where you're not being 100% open with him about it. He quickly learns he can't trust you. And then you cut him off because you're like, you're, you're, you're evil if you're going to leave me like this. And he's like, I don't trust you. And then before you know it, he's with someone else. With a girl that won't lie about it or something like that. Like, I, I feel like that they should have, they could have come together at the end. I don't know. I wish they would have explored why she's dating someone at the school and why he's in a relationship i wish they would have explained it because for him to save that baby's life after definitely not wanting the baby right and this goes back into a post that we've had we've had interactions with where sometimes the woman doesn't want the baby but the man does and the man can't save that baby yeah legally that man cannot save that baby and those are the arguments that never get talked about. We could do the Roe versus Wade shit. We could do all of these conversations, but we can never talk about the times in which a man cannot find himself capable of not being a father to the child he brought into this world when she's like, I don't want that shit. And it's going to be a double standard until the end of time because... A double standard that is fitting for whomever. Because, like, at the end of the day, only one person is potentially sacrificing their body or only one person is going through whatever process because all pregnancies are going to end one way or the other. Yes. Um, and only one person's body is involved in any of that. So it's going to be a double standard. But why do we villainize double standards if they're useful like that? I don't villainize double standards mm-hmm. um, that fall on, you know, the gender line. Right. There's a lot that falls on the gender line, though. I just want to make yeah. sure everyone knows. And a lot of the times when people are having these conversations, they're not able to look at it objectively as we are from this film. But yes, when it comes to women's bodies, women should make those decisions. Yes. When it comes to men... They shouldn't have to fund a woman's, a fully capable woman's life just because she decides to leave him. And it's these double standards that, you know, it it, it muddies the waters quite a bit. But that's on the legal end of things. That's on the marriage and children side of things. There's plenty of double standards that work in men's favors. I don't know if you could take one from one side and, you know, not take one from the other, so to speak, because at no point can we save our own children's lives. Even if a, a mother was a legit crackhead, a man of well, a well to do man would still have to go through hell just to get his child for visitation, not just to save the child and bring them full time, but just for visitation. Compared to someone that is legitimately throwing their life away. It's it's kind of scary. It is. It's, it's, it's scary. But I think slowly but surely the world is changing. You know? I think, or I hope, that sooner than later, things like what happened in this movie, where even when... What's the lady's name that was helping her? Um, I don't remember her name. I don't remember her name either. 
Um, she finally came. She came to Tyrone's apartment to aid in the labor. She thought the labor was still going on. Right. The baby was gone. There was still nothing but sympathy about this for her. She's a she she you know she's a clinic nurse. She knows that if this baby is not here, there's only two places it could be. Right. And when she asked, did he take her to the hospital? And why would he take the baby to the hospital and not take you? Right. There was still nothing but sympathy there for her. Because, honestly, her duty is to the baby, not to the mom. Maybe both, but more to the baby. The safety of the baby. And... The baby was nowhere to be found. There was still no repercussions for the mom. When she found out Chantel had the baby, um, the first thing she asked for, and you know this stuff because you yes. work in medical, but she asked about the afterbirth. Yes. And you know it's important that like you have to analyze it and everything. So if she was going to go to the hospital, she would have needed that. Yeah. So they can make sure that she and the baby are okay. Right. Um, and I don't think she could have imagined getting that response to that question. Yeah. <laughs> it's with the baby. Oh, because they didn't. I know they didn't clip the, the yeah. umbilical cord. So, oh, you did a lotus birth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it had a name back then or whatever, but I was like, oh, you did a lotus. Birth. No, it's with the baby. Yeah. In the trash bag. There you go. Outside. And there never would have been any kind of issue uh, brought up against her for it. Like she was within well within her range to dump a baby somewhere. Mm-hmm. Imagine. A dude dumping a baby somewhere. That's crazy. That's murder. Without question. Everybody's fingerprints on the bag. The baby has your DNA. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, these are these are these are some of the things that like, you know, if we're we're talking modern times, of course, um that still ring true. Um she should have known she's she was given so many lifelines. That's another thing. Yes. So many life. If she didn't want this, she had multiple lifelines. And even to the point where she didn't even have to get to a point where she had to tell him. No. So I, I, I didn't feel bad for her at the end of the movie. I didn't feel bad for her. I feel bad for that kid because now that kid is about 30 years old. And if you ask her how her upbringing was, she'll tell you that me and my mom struggled. We lived with my grandparents and my uncles. And that's how you think it would have turned out? Yes. I don't. I do. What do you think? You think she would have been a doctor? I don't think she would have been a doctor, but I think that she would have had a been good a CNA. career. No. Yes. She's already in community college and she's already bright. She was bright enough to possibly graduate early. You could be bright, but a child changes things financially. Financially, yes. Timing she too. She could have gotten scholarships. That's what I'm thinking. Her her parents are still working full time. They were barely making it. So they were working and she's working and going to school. Who's watching the baby? Maybe the uncles, if they're not finally doing their own things. But if it's not them, then her money is going to babysitting. I'm thinking that she probably got scholarships and stuff and she might have been taking the baby with her to class like so many other moms I saw back in the day. 
you personally saw or you saw on TV? No, personally saw. Let me tell you this much. She hit 30 by 20, um, 2001. She lives in New York and Brooklyn. Right? I'm thinking that she probably lives in Jersey now. She stayed with her parents. You know that. I don't think so. I think she got up out of there because that, that was so important to her when she was 17. I think she went. Her life couldn't be more important. Her life couldn't be important no more. How many women had to make that decision? Listen, okay, I got a baby now. This is the baby. The baby's life is important. I'm going to live through the baby. I feel like she lived through her baby. I do. Let me tell you my thoughts on Chantel, where I think she is. Come on. Let's let's glorify. No, I think she was like, you know what? It's too expensive for me to stay in um, in New York City. What's she I'm moving to Jersey. Huh? How's she working? How's she working? All right. So she stayed working at that market until she finished school. Okay. Because she didn't have any reason to quit that job. She probably went to full time after graduating. No, no, no. The, the boss had every reason to fire her motherfucking ass. You saw how she talked to that customer? But she was still working there after that. It wouldn't have been me. I'd have fired her. But go ahead. She was still working there. She still, but you have to, you have to, you have to factor in that she still has that attention. I mean, that uh, attitude issue you have to remember that but she's working in a store and we saw a different side of her in the store for the most part even when she got snippy with that lady yeah. i think she was still she you know it wasn't an unjustified attitude and that was not as harsh as she was to everybody else okay so i i think she would have uh, kept her job she might have became manager or whatever yeah and worked full-time uh you know, when she graduated from high school. Okay. Um, and from there, once she finished school, probably got whatever type of job, paying more money. And she's a smart girl. I feel like she could have talked her way into a nice job at that time. Uh, and I just think she would have been able to make it. Mm. And for whatever reason, I still think like either Tyrone must have been like a drug dealer or something. I don't want to assume that, but... Just because of the Jeep, because the brownstone was his mom's. No, not just because of the Jeep, but because of how they were talking about it in the movie. It's like they didn't want to come out and say it, but I don't know. I got that vibe. What what did he say happened to his dad? His dad left him. So he wasn't dead. I I don't know, but I got those vibes just from the kids. Hmm. Okay, I mean, because he did say, like, my mom knows better than to ever come over here. So maybe he had, yeah, because, like, a drug dealer would have that kind of secrecy where he doesn't want his mom fucking with the drugs. Yeah, it was like, they they were alluding to it, but like I said, they didn't want to talk about drugs at all in this movie. Yeah. They're like, we're already talking about sex. That's where they draw the line. They had her fucking leg behind her head during a sex scene. You know, I was like, yo, that's the most impressive 17-year-old display of sexual uh, situation that I've ever seen on, on fucking camera. We watch Euphoria and shit, and these these people just fucking fuck like rabbits. But she's doing some acrobatic Cirque Cirque du Soleil, how you call it? Yeah, that. Yeah. (laughs) But what I don't understand, though, Brennan, she had on... Drawls and and (laughs) basketball shorts and... (laughs) And boxers and and tights. And another pair of panties underneath. And $5 tights. (laughs) She had a lot of... But it might have been cold up there, I don't know. 
Put it only on the booty though. Yeah, man. She had long johns and shit, man. She, it took her about like ten minutes to get undressed. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no. Nah. Um, as always, I have the issue with another black film not not giving me a timeline. I feel like I'm the more movies that we watch, the more I realize that an established timeline is so vital and important mm-hmm. because it it kind of gives me um, subcontext to how different plot holes can be like filled or how different, um, you know, climaxes can be reached. I you really couldn't sense the amount of time that was happening up until her premature birth because you kind of felt like, I don't know if this is three weeks or six months. Hmm. She wasn't changing physically. It was interesting because we saw them go from, I guess, spring, summer. Right. We to... saw spring, summer, and then we see her in that one shot talking to Natat in a coat. So right. So you know that's winter, and then... She has a baby, but she has on summer clothes again. There you go. There you go. Or spring clothes. Yeah, I think it. I think it flip flopped. It was weird. So like, I mean, carrying a baby is almost a year. So yeah. But then they make no mention of her graduating early or anything like that. Right. Which would have happened during that time. I'm glad it didn't happen. I'm glad it didn't happen. It would have been the biggest waste of money. And these parents have been through enough with her. Like, honestly, she's not a good example for her little brothers. She doesn't even watch them the way she should be watching them. Um, Yeah, all in all, I mean, she's a mess of a person, of a, of a kid. She's smart, but... Socially, she was kind of a mess all over the place. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's normal teenager. Yeah. I mean, I hope not. <laughs> Fuck that. I will be showing this film to my daughter. Fuck and this. Your son. And my son. No, they they get they get equal treatment from daddy. They they both are gonna be I'm held to the looking, same. I'm, I was cutting my eyes, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I I agree. Like this was a scary movie and um I wish I seen more of them like this. Even though I understood the severity of things, I just didn't believe the probability. And that was her problem too. She saw, she knew the severity, but she was like, this can't be me because I'm smart. And like, God looks out for people like me type of thing. Yes. I think that's where her brain was at. You know, she felt like, you know, there's great things meant for me. And I can't just, I, like, I can, I can live out here and I can be crazy with it, but there's no way I can get. And you think about how she was like judging Denisha, the girl from the train with the baby. Oh yeah. Yeah. She was just so smart then. Yeah, she was like, that's not, that's never going to happen to me. Man. Life comes at you fast, girl. When she said that, I said, oh, it's happening. <laughs> In my head, I was like, oh, I can't wait. And then she said, you know, she's not coming back to school. Done deal. But at least she went back to school and I got, I got to give that to her. I, did, do you think she went for her GED? Who? Chantel. Chantel could have graduated early. She would have graduated early. So she she could have graduated right there. Yeah. What you okay. okay. I don't I don't know. Movie doesn't tell us though. Yeah. There's 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 some little intangibles in there, but all in all, this was an awesome, 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 awesome film. Um, it got me to think things and feel things that uh, 
I didn't think a movie from 93 would do. I love the cinematography. I felt like it yeah. was like it felt like early 90s, but it felt like it literally felt like a 1996 film or something like that. Like it was shot very well. Um, the audio matched up perfectly. I love the music and I hate golden age uh, rap music. Yeah. I won't say hate, but I just I, I never listened to it. I know, like for Oxcord, I try to pitch. I've been trying to pitch a Wu Tang battle for how long though? <laughs> Wu Tang and the Tribe Called Quest and all those guys. Can, but 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 yeah, for me, for, for me, like the <laughs> earliest I'll go in hip hop, like tastefully for me, will probably be Illmatic. The earliest. The earliest. I don't like Boom Bap that much. I'll listen to it on a nostalgic day, but. I'm talking about my playlist. I wouldn't put like fucking. I'm not gonna sit here and ever have like a Big Daddy Kane playlist. You don't have any Slick Rick. I have Slick Rick. Well, he he worked through the '90s though. Okay. And into the wait, early 2000s too. So wait, you don't know the show? You I know the show. You know Lottie Dottie. I know Lottie Dottie, and I know the shit he the joint he did with uh, Outkast is one of my favorites. Okay. But what I'm saying we're is, still, we, we're still allowed to be friends. Okay, no, no, I'm just checking. But what I'm saying is that, like, I personally, like, I would never, like, like, I'm not gonna, you're not gonna ever see me make a, a playlist with, like, fucking Dougie Fresh on it. And I love Dougie Fresh. I saw him in person. Oh, my gosh. I, 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 bought, I, bought, I bought tickets. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I love it. I love it when I'm there. But it's not something I'm gonna put on my, one of my playlists is what I'm saying. So, you don't have any rap bass either. Any what? No, I didn't hear what you said. Rob Bass. Oh, no, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. If you ever happen to come around my family, my uncle will tell you the story of how he... Listen here, boy. (laughs) I have a video on my phone I'm going to show you after. Um, My uncle likes to tell the story of how he was dancing back up for Rob Bass, and then he had to stop because they they were playing with his money. (laughs) (laughs) You see? But me, for me, you have to understand, like... Music for me is production first. That's number one. So it wasn't until, you know, uh, hip hop got more complex in their drum layers and in their sampling and in their, you know, you know, even some of the more advanced, you know, live percussions and things like that. Do you like RZA? Love RZA. What I'm saying is like when the synthesizer faded out from the 80s, and then drums came to prominence in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And then strings, low strings like bass guitar or bass cello type of deep, volume-rich, low-frequency notes. That's when it really got me. Mm. And I don't know if it's just my taste in music, mm. um, my aunts and uncles, yeah, or... Me growing up in New York during that time, but I love Boom Bap. Oh my gosh, I just like love but all of the old. It's rap. part of your, it's part it's part of your, but it's it's the culture of that area. So I understand that. I grew up in Miami, so true. for us, it's 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 not the same. But we love John music too, though. man. Especially <laughs> the booty bass music of the yes. like the mid nineties, like that yes. that they kind of put us on the map in terms of like having a sound, and um. I mean, it's a totally different sound now, of course, but those times were just like, it was magic. 
it, it was what you felt as a girl, you know, going through the streets of Harlem and you shit. You know, when I was talking about, like, the older kids teaching us stuff mm-hmm. in the hallways of the buildings, they were also teaching us how to twerk, too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> to some Luke Doodle Brown. I'm sorry to hear all this. <laughs> I mean. But, I mean, it's like the rites of passage that nobody talks about. Like, being a, a black girl yeah. in the inner city. There's all of these traditions and things that happen. Nobody really talks about them like that, but it happens. Yeah, it does. Shit. But I mean, these are the this is the music to the soundtrack of our lives. And you know, when you live in a different area, a different region, a different time, um, you know, it can mean something totally different. So for me, like like I grew up me and my homie that you saw yesterday. Uh-huh. Um we were the only niggas around here listening to like East Coast rap. We were big fans of the mafioso rap era. We were big fans of the, uh, you know, conscious rap era. We were big fans of like we were like, you know, we liked the same shit from you know Brown Sugar all the way to like fucking New Jack City. Like we loved all of that shit. And then when music came down south, we loved it. Like you know, like we had a very you know. Uh, deep array taste of music but everyone down here they were just like oh that's trick daddy oh uncle luke trick daddy and that's it and i never understood that i could I, like i love them and i listen to them but i'm like yo like there's a whole bunch of other music out here yeah this music uh that one song when they were in the bodega uh yeah all three girls right that is from a group i believe it's called bitches with problems bitches with problems Yes. Sounds about right. We want money, bitches with problems. We want money, bitches with problems. We got we got to look up that soundtrack and listen to it cuz honestly, it might be a good run up for a, a, another soundtrack battle down the line for Oxcore Battles every Wednesday at 9 o'clock on Zoom. Visit our website www.olentertainment.com and that's whale like the animal like a fucking beluga or a sperm whale. <laughs> or a blue whale. I don't know. A killer whale. Whatever. Whatever kind of whales you want. <laughs> www.oelentertainment. Oh, no. I'm sorry. It's not even the whole word. It's you fucking it all the way up. My bad. It's whale, Like the animal. E-N-T. I tried, I literally with my mouth tried to make a whale noise and I don't know what whales do. Like they just blow water out of their hole, right? That's it. We got to get like a water like sound or something. Whale noises are on Spotify. Oh, they do like echolocation or something? Yes. Oh, they do? Yes. I go to sleep to the, those sounds. Like whale sounds? Whales, uh, falling rain. One time I looked up... Uh, I think it was a YouTube video and they had uh, Fort Lauderdale Beach. We ain't got no motherfucking whales, do we? No, it was just like the sound of the waves crashing. I'm so sorry. Because it sounds like fucking like little kids getting scooted in the sand, like <laughs> rushed off, like, like brushed ashore and shit. Like, <laughs> no, I think it was a live stream of the beach and then they added like sound from somewhere else. 
You gonna hear like two homeless people fucking if <laughs> it's oh, Fort Lauderdale Beach. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to you. You gonna hear some no bullshit way. out there, yo. You gonna hear some. This is why I like going to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna hear like, you gonna hear like some twenty-seven-year-old lady getting fingered and shit for the first date, like. <laughs> Ew. You like Ew. that? You like that? <laughs> but um. <laughs> goofy man <laughs> but nah seriously um no this was this was a great this was a great film um i'm very glad that you had me see it i'm probably gonna watch it on my own uh some other time yeah but um what's this like the second movie in the row in a row that uh brandon has finally watched oh that like- it was that it well it was that inkwell and crooklyn yeah those three yeah uh and the other movie i asked you to watch i don't know if you ever did but Listen, you know what this means by now, though, right? What? It means you owe me a movie. What movie have you suggested that we No, 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 oh, no, no. You no, want no. us to watch Motives? <laughs> no, I didn't say nothing about Motives. I didn't say nothing about Motives. That's not allowed to be brought up, yo. But Motives. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I haven't seen Motives since college either. <laughs> I I have a movie. I have a movie that we gonna have to watch. But but what movie could you possibly pitch to me that I'm not gonna wanna watch? Oh, you'll see. I'm always down to watch a movie. Okay, hey hey hey, hey. we gonna hold you to that shit. We are gonna hold you to that shit. Watch, he's gonna think it's some obscure movie that I've never seen before. Right, it's gonna right. Be like one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> that I've never discussed. Oh, before. I love Black Gigolo. <laughs> <laughs> no, for what movie is it? I don't know yet. Oh God, I got to think of one. Um, but I definitely will. Um, and uh, we're good. We're good with this one, man. We we can wrap this one up. But I just want to say, um, for those that I have offended in any posts by misreading and not comprehending I fully apologize I was being stupid like Chantel yeah 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 no it's serious serious business um sometimes I put my foot in my mouth and I am one of those guys that I am fully capable of saying that my foot is in my mouth um my foot tastes like avocados so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to be so serious. <laughs> this was supposed to be serious. Hold on, because I know, I know, I was sitting here like making myself not laugh at the fact that you're apologizing. I'm like, I'm not gonna cut him off or anything. No, no, no. But seriously, um, seriously, I, I, I put my foot in my mouth from time to time, and uh, you know, I talk about things before I know the severity of the mood of the room sometimes <laughs> and i've done this time and time and time again oh, ty is laughing because i've done this literally to her and i've told you like that you do it to other people sometimes too i don't always notice it because i mean just like um miss jada she made a post that was heart felt what she was going through and i literally read it like she was reposting someone else's life and I tore into it like a, like an asshole because I thought I was dealing with someone that I didn't have to face. So I have to start thinking about things like, 
we may face people when we say what we say. Brandon. But that doesn't mean that I will say, like, I, I'm not going to hold off on, like, you know, Tay Diggs or anything like that. But, like, people that we actually interact with, yeah. Like. Brandon. Yo. You know I was already going to market this episode. But now I really have to go hard with marketing this episode. Because a lot of people are going to want to hear what you have to say. It's not about, but I just wanted to, I mean, yeah, but I, it's not even about market. It's it's just like, honestly, I, I really felt bad today when I read that because I honestly, it wasn't until I was made aware that it was like, oh shit, you read this wrong. And people were in my comments. They were like, yo, I think you read this wrong. They were like, I think you read this wrong. I'm like, no, nah, I didn't read shit wrong, nigga. <laughs> I didn't read shit wrong. You know, you should never give up on love. You should never give up on who you are. Everything happens the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Because now you had this epiphany. Yeah. 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 So. And, you know, I, I try to, I mean, I, I actively try to work on things like that because just like when I was talking about that one uh, twin girl in, in my biology class. I felt so fucking horrible because I wasn't even addressing anything that had to do with her, but I, I was, I was just genuinely, uh, um, fascinated with twins Mm -hmm. and even my little curriculum course for the next day in class, like it was very pretentious. What if you could raise your own embryo? As a clone, as a twin, it wouldn't even be a twin because it would be you. Like, but the only reason it's you is because you guys weren't born at the same time. And okay, man, I don't want to, I don't want to twist y'all brains. I don't want to twist y'all brains. But I, I apologize fully to uh, Miss Jada about um, the post. Um, I think she blocked me by now. She should have. If she didn't, she should have. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm going to read better. Does, it, does that make sense? You're the teacher. I'm going to read better? Yes, read better. Okay, cool. I'm going to read better from now on so that I understand fully what I'm answering or what I'm posting or what I'm commenting about. Yeah. Yeah, I got this. I'm happy for the growth. There's growth. There's growth. Do I have to do the thing that the chick from Insecure did when she said growth? Who is it, Kelly? Growth. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely growth. Um, and it, it didn't take me as long as Chantel to grow either. But um, yeah, this was a great film, and I'm very happy about it. I gotta say, this was pretty dope. So this was a good film, Ty. Good for you. You finally got your little. Uh, you know, there's one more that I really. Oh, I know the fucking um the brain licking one. Uh, what's it called? Um, the Spike Lee shit. School days. I don't know if I'm gonna feel the same way about school days that I did about this one, but you know you're gonna fall in love with your HBCU again when you watch School Days. It takes place at FAMU. No. But then what the fuck? (laughs) It's a fictional HBCU. You call my school fictional dog? And on that note, thank you for listening to this episode <laughs> of Green Leather Sofa Podcast. Uh, join us next time when we ruin something else. Bye, y'all.
All right, couch potatoes, that's the end of our episode. Join us next time when we warn something else. Until then, later.